What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. O-Z-Y. Ozzy. Ozzy Media Productions. Marilyn Monroe was called The Woman Who Will Not Die by Gloria Steinem. It's true. The world remains obsessed with Monroe, even more than half a century after her death. One of the most famous stars in Hollywood history is dead at 36. Marilyn Monroe was found dead in bed under circumstances that were in tragic contrast to her glamorous career as a comic talent. Monroe was an icon whose life was cut short. She starred in hits like Some Like It Hot, The Seven Year Itch, and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. It was said that her films had grossed more than $200 million at the time of her death. She acted, she cracked jokes, and she sang. I want to be loved by you, just you, nobody else but you. Monroe's death held an irony. As Gloria Steinem later wrote, America's biggest star died alone on a Saturday night. The young actress was found dead in her bed from a drug overdose. The rumors were numerous. Monroe biographer Sarah Churchwell. Of course, uh, as everybody knows, all kinds of conspiracy theories have developed around her death. Good morning. It's been 50 years, and we are still talking about the rumors surrounding her death. Some believe Monroe committed suicide. Others have more elaborate theories. So what happens is a lot of people um, conclude that she must have been deliberately murdered, either by one of the Kennedys or by Khrushchev or by Castro or, you know, by aliens landing in Roswell. But of course, that leaps over an enormous excluded middle, which is known as accident, which is how many, many things happen in real life. Marilyn Monroe may have appeared larger than life, but she was an every woman, one who suffered the same misfortune as others, but out in the open for all the world to see and without much help. This led feminist Gloria Steinem to fixate on Monroe. You know, I, I just was haunted by the idea that, that the women's movement might have been able to support her enough so she would still be with us. But, like Gloria Steinem, Monroe lived and worked in a world dominated by men. And Hugh Hefner, 
who launched Playboy magazine using Monroe's nude image, was far from the only one to exploit her along the way. Welcome to The Thread, a podcast from Aussie Media. I'm Sean Braswell. This season is about the remarkable road to the modern-day women's movement through one of the leaders of that movement, Gloria Steinem. So how does Marilyn Monroe fit in this thread? Well, in episode one, we heard how Steinem's stint as an undercover Playboy bunny impacted her career and her outlook as a young reporter and feminist. Then, in episode two, we told the story of how the Playboy clubs came to be. They all started with Hugh Hefner, who had the idea to create a male magazine called Playboy. And that magazine's launch was not possible without its first nude centerfold, Marilyn Monroe. Now, in episode three, how Monroe wound up in Playboy. It wasn't her choice. Throughout her brief life, she endured many things, including many powerful men, and she tried to fight back. Monroe was a star, a wife, a model, and a silence breaker. For all of her accomplishments, most people only remember Marilyn Monroe for the unforgettable persona she crafted for herself. The good-humored platinum blonde with the ruby lips and a sultry innocence. Few recognize the achievement behind it. Sarah Churchwell again. She had started with nothing, and she went on to become the most successful actress of her day, the most famous, the best known, um, but you know the biggest movie star in the world, and she remains the biggest movie star in the world 50 years after her death. And she just wanted people to recognize that as an accomplishment. She wanted people to give her the credit for having achieved that, and they never did. They mostly still don't. Monroe begged to be taken seriously as an actress throughout her career. The frustrated star asked a reporter who interviewed her not long before her death, quote, please don't make me a joke. That decision to have a very strong brand, as it were, this, this iconic look, um, did have a lot to do with her success. But of course, it also led to her being typecast. It meant that she couldn't break out of that brand identity that she had created and become the kind of actress that she wanted to be. Here's Monroe in a television interview. Well, would it be fair to say that uh, you got rather tired of playing the same kind of roles all the time and, and wanted to try something different? Well, I, it's not that I object to doing musicals or comedies. In fact, I rather enjoy it, but I would like to do also dramatic parts, too. Mm-hmm. Through it all, Monroe was hell-bent on self-improvement. She took acting classes at every opportunity even once she was a star. She pushed back on the stereotype that she was a dumb blonde. As she told one instructor, I want to be an artist, not an erotic freak. But few in Hollywood took her seriously. Even Steinem did not at first. Monroe's on-screen persona made an impression on the young Steinem, and it wasn't a positive one. It was a big Hollywood movie, and I was a teenager, I think. And I loved the movies. You know, I was just escaping every Saturday afternoon (laughs) into the movies. This is Steinem, remembering when she saw the 1953 film Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. But watching her being so vulnerable on screen just 
made me sad. It's a terrible thing to be lonesome, especially in the middle of a crowd. Do you know what I mean? And it also made Steinem angry. Steinem later wrote of Monroe, How dare she expose the neediness that so many women feel, but try so hard to hide? How dare she, a movie star, be just as unconfident as I was? Gee, Peggy, a girl like I almost never gets to meet really interesting men. Sometimes my brain gets real starved. Poor little thing. Steinem walked out of the movie. She was one of the images that I grew up with, and she always seemed so silenced, playing uh, as if she could only come to the public as, as a, almost a parody of a whispery, sexy woman, not, not as her own self. But as Steinem later discovered, Monroe was more than a whispery, sexy woman. She was one of the first women to stand up against a culture of sexual harassment in Hollywood and to talk about her experiences there. To understand why, we have to go back to Monroe's early days in Hollywood and those famous nude photographs. One of the first cameramen to film Monroe was blown away by her. She was, as he put it, sex on a piece of film. Monroe did not set out to be a model. When she was still a teenager named Norma Jean Doherty, she worked at a parachute factory during World War II, where she sprayed and inspected parachutes for 10 hours a day. One day, an army photographer assigned to take photographs of women at work in the war effort stopped by the factory. He realized her potential right away. You're a real morale booster, he told her with all of the cheese and sleaze of a red-blooded American male in the 1940s. Soon, Marilyn's career as a model and morale booster in men's magazines was off to the races. Well, now, uh, your picture has been on the cover of uh, almost all popular magazines, hasn't it? No, not the Ladies Home Journal. <laughs> that you would like, would you? Yes. Marilyn, tell me, how did you... Men's magazines in the 1940s didn't mean what they meant after the Playboy era. Um, there was no uh, real nudity to speak of in the magazines that she was modeling in. She was wearing bikinis and, you know, swimsuits and that kind of thing. Marilyn Monroe enjoyed posing and performing for the camera as a young model, but the job often came with some additional responsibilities. Models were expected to show their gratitude to the men who controlled the camera and their livelihoods. Things were no different when Monroe started to pursue a career in acting. She talked later about how um, even in those early days of modeling when she was trying to break into Hollywood that, you know, men would uh, would accost her and tell her that they could help her break into the movies. And um, and so she was very clear about the fact that there were always men on the make. Um, she called them wolves. Eager to become an actress, Monroe tolerated the wolves, but it was not easy to break into Hollywood without their support. When Marilyn was a struggling actress and a starlet, she was uh, still finding jobs hard to come by and living very much hand-to-mouth. Monroe struggled to pay her rent. She ate two meals per day. Sometimes she subsisted on peanut butter and hamburger meat. She went to auditions and modeling gigs in one of three dresses, which she washed herself by hand. In the evenings, she would go out stargazing in Hollywood. She would place her hands in the handprints of the movie stars. She would stand for a few hours in front of Clark Gable's house, hoping to catch a glimpse of her favorite star. The beautiful Monroe didn't have to struggle. She had other options. Many men offered to set her up as their mistress, to pay for her expenses and her apartment in return for, shall we say, the pleasure of her company. But Monroe refused. 
Eventually, she landed her first big job, a contract with 20th Century Fox in 1946. She was 20. The following year, she signed a new contract with Columbia Pictures. That didn't stop the unsolicited offers, including at least one alleged experience with Me Too parallels. There isn't much question that Marilyn turned down sexual advances from powerful men in Hollywood. One of the best known was the producer Harry Cohn, who um, ran Columbia Studios. And the story goes that he um, he tried to get Marilyn on his yacht when she was a contract player for Columbia. And when she refused to go alone with him onto his yacht, he fired her and she never worked for Columbia again. Monroe persisted, even as she grew more contemptuous of the wolves who pursued her. And after one of those offers, um, when it became clear to her that, that money was really becoming tight, she decided that she would instead take up the offer of a photographer who had been trying to convince her to do some nude photos. It sounds like a risky thing to do for a woman with serious acting ambitions. But remember, Monroe is 23 years old. She could never have imagined in her wildest dreams that she would be one of the most famous women on the planet in a few years. At that moment, she was just a struggling actress who was worried that the bank would repossess the car she depended upon to drive to auditions. She let herself be convinced that the nude photos were no big deal. The photographer had told her that his wife would be present all the way through the shoot. Um, he had assured her that that it was above board. He would pay her $50 and that the, the images would be tasteful. They weren't pornographic. Monroe agreed. Here's how she described the nude photo shoot in a 1960 interview. So we did it. And uh, that's all. We just uh, spread out some red velvet and had me lie down on the red velvet. It was very simple and drafty. (laughs) Monroe also joked that she had, quote, nothing on but the radio. The photographs were then uh, sold to a uh, nude calendar, and they started to appear on uh, on walls, on in garages, and um, in you know mechanics workshops. Three years after the nude photographs were taken, Marilyn Monroe was in a completely different orbit. Later, thousands of fans lined up in front of the Stanley Theater, located on Atlantic City's famous boardwalk, where Hollywood's newest starlet arrived for the world premiere of her 20th century Fox comedy, Monkey Business, in which she co-stars with Cary Grant and Ginger Rogers. All in all, it was a day in which Miss Monroe truly won the hearts of these grateful New Jerseyans. In March 1952, um, Marilyn was starting to become a star. She'd had a couple of uh, big roles and she was starting to become noticed. She also began dating uh, Joe DiMaggio, the baseball star and, uh, you know, kind of national hero. Monroe had only been seeing DiMaggio for a few days when the scandal over her nude photographs broke. Many fans started to recognize her nude pinup in calendars all over the country. Studio executives freaked out. And of course, the the standard response to that kind of scandal up until that point would have been to just deny it was you. And that was what stars had always done. And the studio would engineer some kind of cover up and they would just claim it wasn't her. But Marilyn um, did not do that. She said it was her. It was a bold strategy. Instead of being shamed, or as we might now say, slut shamed, um, it worked. And she managed to make the scandal die down. And uh, and, and people just uh, accepted that it was her. The photo shoot was forgotten for the most part until Hugh Hefner got his hands on the image and made sure that millions more Americans saw her as the first Playboy centerfold, the centerfold that launched Hefner's Playboy empire. 
But the same year that Hefner used her nude image to launch Playboy, the 26-year-old Monroe did something far bolder in another magazine. The article that ran in the January 1953 issue of Motion Picture and Television Magazine was called Wolves I Have Known and was penned by Monroe. At the time, the young actress was fast becoming a household name. In the article, Monroe described the different types of men she had met in Hollywood, men she called wolves. The article covered multiple examples of harassment and propositions from unnamed men, the directors who cornered her at parties, the producers who invited her to their offices on a Saturday afternoon. Marilyn was one of the first um, to call out the culture of sexual harassment. She doesn't use that phrase, but, um, but that's what she's talking about. And to really um, call attention to the fact that it was endemic, that it was pervasive. Her whole point was to say this happens over and over and over. Monroe wrote, quote, There are many types of wolves. Some are sinister. Others are just good-time Charlies, trying to get something for nothing. And others make a game of it. So she wasn't necessarily naming names. She wasn't identifying a single individual, but that was the point. She was talking about a culture in which women were unsafe, in which women were treated as sexual objects. And she was starting to speak out very early. The Hollywood that Monroe was challenging was extremely powerful. But once Monroe had star power, she used it to help other women in Hollywood, and not just in her magazine story. Actress Joan Collins remembers in a television interview how Monroe helped her when she met her at a party. And then she told me, she said, watch out for the wolves in Hollywood, honey. And I said, well, I've been in British films for three years. I can handle wolves. And she said, well, not the power buses, honey. And she said, if they don't get what they want, they'll drop your contract. So clearly it was always there. It was always in the air. There was no protection. Women had to look out for themselves. In her unfinished autobiography, Monroe wrote of the wolves, quote, Phoniness and failure were all over them, but they were as near to the movies as you could get. So you sat with them, listening to their lies and schemes. And you saw Hollywood with their eyes, an overcrowded brothel, a merry-go-round with beds for horses. The sad truth is that even Monroe could not avoid the Hollywood merry-go-round forever. She once admitted, I've slept with producers, I'd be a liar if I said I didn't. For Monroe and many other actresses, it was a constant struggle, both to fend off the wolves and to get them to take you seriously. What I'd like to do, that is what I would like to accomplish. I would like to be a good actress. Denied shelter and respect in her career, Monroe sought them elsewhere. Twice she put her career on hold at the peak of her stardom to marry a prominent man. First baseball star Joe DiMaggio in 1954, and two years later, renowned playwright Arthur Miller. Marilyn married uh, two symbolic men, but I think that one of the one of the things that drew her to men like this was the feeling she felt great respect for them for their achievements, and the feeling unconsciously, perhaps, that that sense of respect might get transferred to her. Unfortunately for Monroe, it didn't. And Monroe often struggled to find satisfaction or happiness. Uh, do I feel happy in life? Um, um, let's see. Let's say I hope I'm finding happiness. Right? Well, for me, uh, if I can realize certain things in my work, uh, I come the closest to being happy. 
Monroe constantly sought satisfaction in her career, and she gave up a lot just to have one. Up next, we find out just how far Monroe was willing to go to launch her career, and we go back to the moment when Norma Jean transformed into Marilyn Monroe. Without this period in her life, when she fought for her freedom, the world would never have had its biggest star. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Marilyn Monroe was born Norma Jean Mortensen in Los Angeles in 1926. Her troubles began early on. Her mother, Gladys, struggled to care for her young daughter. She was diagnosed as schizophrenic when Marilyn was a young girl, and Marilyn never knew who her father was. And the result of that was that she became a ward of the state of California. And throughout the 1930s, when, of course, it was the Great Depression, Marilyn was sent to a number of foster homes, and um, and she was at one point also sent to an orphanage, um, which she found a very traumatic experience because she knew that her mother was alive, and um, she wasn't an orphan, but she was being uh, treated as one. And things only got worse. Monroe would later claim that she had been molested more than once in the foster home she stayed in as a child. 
She said that she was living in a boarding house at one point in her childhood and that a man she called Mr. Kimmel um, offered her some money. He was asking her for some kind of sexual favor as a child. Monroe told her foster mother what had happened. She slapped her and told her not to say such things about such a nice man. People didn't believe her. And then this was was only compounded by um, her later biographers, who mostly also didn't believe her. Of course, now um, we're all too aware of how frequently women historically have been disbelieved when they came forward with stories about sexual assault um, or uh, molestation. Monroe's life grew even harder when she faced a difficult choice as a teenager, the orphanage or an arranged marriage. Her foster family announced that they were moving to West Virginia and basically that she wasn't moving with them. She and her husband were going to West Virginia and they were going to put me in a a home or, you know, like I'd been before, or I could marry this boy who was 21. So I married. That 21-year-old was a neighbor named Jim Doherty. In the span of just a few months, Monroe went from being a fun-loving teenager to a devoted housewife. She even dropped out of high school to focus on her marriage, a decision she would regret for the rest of her life. They didn't know each other. They weren't in love. Um, Jim Doherty, by all accounts, was uh, a perfectly um, a nice, decent man. Um, but, you know, this was not a marriage that was going to last. You know, it was, again, it was 1942. So he expected her to stay home and, you know, cook his dinners and, um, you know, and mend his socks. Doherty enlisted in the Merchant Marine when America entered the war. He was overseas for months at a time. Monroe started her job at the parachute factory, then became a model. She enjoyed being a working woman, and being a model meant she was one step closer to her real dream. And then Monroe had to make another hard decision. She had signed with a modeling agency run by a professional agent. That agent was frank with her young client. Hollywood was not interested in married starlets. No studio wanted to invest in a woman who could get pregnant and leave. Her husband wanted to start a family when the war was over. He didn't understand Monroe's dream. Hollywood is full of beautiful girls, he informed her. What makes you think you're any better than them? Monroe was just 19 years old, confronted with the realization that she could not have a career and a husband. So she chose a career. Marilyn clearly felt that it would be easier for her to pursue her modeling and acting career if she were single. In May 1946, Monroe packed her bags. Marilyn went to Las Vegas where they had, uh, in the 1930s, they had uh, loosened the divorce laws. And if you were resident in Nevada for six weeks, you could get a divorce, which was much more difficult to get anywhere else in the country. Doherty was blindsided. In an interview before his death in 2005, he recalled the moment he found out his wife was in Vegas. One day I was sitting in the Yangtze River waiting to go into Shanghai and a mail come aboard and there's a Dear John. And it was sent by her attorney from uh, Las Vegas that she wanted a divorce. Monroe made plans to stay with the aunt of one of her former foster mothers in Las Vegas. She was not too thrilled to put her modeling career on hold to spend a hot summer in Nevada, but she knew it was necessary. Six weeks later, on July 18th, Monroe sped away from Las Vegas in her Ford Coupe to Los Angeles. She was a free woman in more ways than one. A week after she returned from Vegas, Monroe landed a meeting with Ben Lyon, the head of talent at 20th Century Fox. 
the impressed executive scheduled a screen test for her, and they agreed that the young Norma Jean needed a new name. That night, the newly christened Marilyn Monroe stood in front of a mirror at home. She picked up some red lipstick and wrote a seven-word manifesto on the mirror. It read, This is the end of Norma Jean. We are now halfway through the second season of The Thread. In the first three episodes, we traced a path through history that connects the lives and careers of three American icons, Gloria Steinem, Hugh Hefner, and Marilyn Monroe. To recap, Marilyn Monroe poses for her one and only nude photography session as a young model in 1949 in order to pay the bills. Four years later, a bold Chicago entrepreneur named Hugh Hefner gets his hands on one of those photos, turning Monroe, now a Hollywood star, into the first centerfold for his new Playboy magazine. That magazine, thanks to Monroe's star power, becomes a hit. It spawns an entire Playboy empire, including a series of Playboy clubs. An aspiring journalist named Gloria Steinem walks through the doors of one of those clubs in New York ten years later. Her experience there will lead her to write a stunning expose of Playboy and kickstart her own career as an activist and feminist. Next episode, our thread continues. Not with a person, but with a place. The place where Monroe came for the quickie divorce that launched her career. Monroe was far from the only woman who came to Nevada to seek a new lease on life. During the 1930s and 40s, the state became a wild west of marriage, divorce, gambling, and reinvention. I know how friendly you are So if I'm not going too far Be nice and make me a star Be nice and make me a star Be nice and make me a The Thread is produced by Libby Coleman and me, Sean Braswell. Chris Hoff engineered our show. Special thanks to Cindy Carpian, Tracy Moran, and James Watkins. This episode features the song Prayer and The Bad in Every Man, performed by L.V. Yost. To learn more about The Thread, visit ozzy.com slash the thread, all one word. And make sure to subscribe to The Thread on Apple Podcasts. Check us out at Aussie.com or on Twitter and Facebook. If you love surprising, engaging stories from history, look no further than the flashback section of Aussie.com. That's OZY.com. With Gable when they're rehearsing. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.